Hey, and welcome to Hypnotize Me, the podcast about hypnosis, transformation, and healing. This is Dr. Elizabeth Bonet, and I'm your host. This podcast is not a substitute for mental health treatment, nor should it be. If you need therapy or hypnotherapy, please seek a trained professional. I do hypnosis all over the world, so if you'd like to learn more about me, you can do that at my website, drlizhypnosis.com. That's D-R-L-I-Z hypnosis.com. Now on to our episode. everyone, Dr. Liz here. Do not skip this part this week. I know I often skip the beginning when they're talking about the interview. <laughs> I just skip right to the interview. But don't do that because I want to give you a warning that this episode has some really aversive images in it that Adam Hahn talks about. So if you have a physical abuse history or if you are the type of person that gets images stuck in your head and you can't seem to get them out for a while, you have two options. You can either just skip that part of the interview, and I'm going to put in the description of the podcast that you normally see on your players where that starts and where it ends, or you can just choose not to listen to this episode. I really think it's a fantastic episode because she does talk about using hypnosis to create this aversive pairing with a substance so that the cravings for substances go down. And then she also talks about pain blocking, using hypnosis for pain blocking. So many people end up in addiction because they started out trying to manage some kind of pain. She really takes a perspective of, all right, they need tools to manage that pain, even if they're not in addiction anymore, like particularly because they're not in addiction anymore. Adam Hahn was a clinical director of a rehab center and she's a certified hypnotherapist. So she has some really interesting perspectives and valuable, valuable information to share. So let's jump into that. I'm here with Adam Hahn and we're here in the loft this week. She is actually local to South Florida. And when I found this out, I was like, oh my gosh, why don't you just come on over and we'll do the interview in person, which is pretty rare for my podcast. I know other podcasts do a lot of in-person interviews, but mine are usually through like Zoom or Skype or, you know, they live across the country or across the world, something like that. So I'm excited to have her here in the loft with us today. Welcome. Thank you. It's nice to be down the street. Yes, it is. So why don't we start with your first experience with hypnosis? Uh, sure. So I had been working with a little girl. Uh, it was my first experience with a client who had sexual trauma. And I was working for an agency that worked with children in home. Mm-hmm. And the little girl was uh, three when I started with her and six when I finished. So she was about five at the time. And I got a mailing for rapid resolution therapy, which is a type of hypnotherapy. Mm-hmm. And uh, it said it's storytelling and hypnosis. And I was interested in both of those things. So I went to the training and then I went to the next training and then I drank the Kool-Aid and it's been my favorite cult ever since. And um, (laughs) so I took this back and I kept working with the little girl and we got through a bunch of stuff that apparently had happened to her when she was Mm pre-verbal and uh, and she got better. So it was just amazing to see the ability to apply these kinds of techniques in a real world situation and and see change in people that was very rapid. So I'd been working with her for a couple of years 
years and had been seeing small changes, mm-hmm. but finally we were seeing big changes. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm sure it's a combination of timing and readiness and technique, but um, but having that technique available to me was was a game changer. And I've been doing it ever since. Wonderful, wonderful. And I did a couple of episodes on the rep resolution technique. Which number they are is not like at the top of my mind. So I will put that in the show notes if people want to go and listen to them. It is a pretty impactful technique, I will say. Yeah. By John Connolly, who's right. also local in Florida. He does a lot of training, but he does trainings actually around the world now. Yes. So you're a trauma specialist. I am. Yes. And you work with all ages? Uh, I generally work with teenagers and adults, mm-hmm. um, primarily adults, but um, I will work with children if the issue is truly trauma and not a parenting issue. Oh, great distinction. Do you have parents come in and say it's trauma and then really is a parenting issue? Um, no, but I, I'll have parents call and say they want treatment for their child. And then I, you know, ask them what's been going on and it's behavioral. It's, it's, oh, things okay. That are, they're you know, just that are other. Yeah. They're trying to find a child therapist. Yeah. And you're like, no, I, I'm not really a child therapist. Right. I'll just do, right. I just specialize in trauma. Right. Okay. Right. Gotcha. All right. And then we were talking a little bit beforehand. I wanted to talk about this. You also have a specialty in addiction. Yes. And have been a clinical director of uh, rehab? Yep. I worked at a uh, residential treatment center. Mm-hmm. Um, I was there for the better part of a year last year. As clinical director, I didn't do as much direct therapy, but they didn't have a trauma specialist. So I was also the trauma specialist. So I got mm-hmm. to work with clients directly in that fashion and cover a few groups and then do a lot of supervision and that sort of thing. So um, I didn't do a whole lot of hands-on therapy while I was there, but I did get to do um, trauma work while I was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, I did run a couple of groups where we did substance abuse through hypnosis Mm -hmm. um, as a group, which I hadn't done previously, which was a lot of fun to do. First, you want to make sure that everyone's on the same page. So what do you mean by everyone on the same page? So um, especially with hypnosis, I think you want to make sure that you're taking the client where they want to go and not where you want them to go. In talk Mm -hmm. therapy, I believe you have a little more leeway with that. But I think in hypnosis, it's such a special relationship and people can be so put off by the idea of what hypnosis is thought to be as opposed mm-hmm. to what it is that they can get scared or nervous and mm-hmm. so I think it's really important that you and the client are going in the same direction specifically mm-hmm. so I always want to make sure that um, that the client knows what I'm trying to do um, how we're going to do it and then we go do it so I don't want there to be any surprises for the client I don't want the client to get you know kind of spooked or uh-huh. or freaked out or anything like so that. how do you explain it to them sure so um, so I say we're gonna have a conversation and I'm going to say some stuff. And if at any point you feel uncomfortable, let me know. And mm-hmm. so if we're in a group setting, just, you know, put your hand up mm. and I'll stop. Mm-hmm. We'll address your concern. Uh-huh. And if you need to leave or whatever, then okay. Okay. Um, and so are you doing, when you're in a group setting, how many people are in the group generally? Anywhere between say eight and 15. Okay. So that's a pretty large group actually. Okay. Okay. I don't think so, but okay. (laughs) It's not like you're in front of like an audience performing stage hypnosis, but it's like a a big, a pretty good uh, clinical size group. Yeah. Okay. So are you leading them in relaxation first and then? No. In fact, I I think you can skip the relaxation piece entirely a lot of times because I think people are expecting that. Uh And I like to be the one that gives clients something unexpected. Mm-hmm. So I love working with other therapists, for instance, because therapists think they know what they're going to get. Uh-huh. And so when they come <laughs> to true. me, they get something completely different and they go, oh, well, you know, there's a transformation uh-huh. that happens. There's a mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. And so uh, so I think it's my 
my job to give them that moment without setting up all of the all of the blah 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 in mm-hmm. in the beginning. So I'm not running a relaxation group. I'm running a substance abuse group. Uh-huh. So let's get right to the substance abuse piece. Ah. So um, so here's how we would do that. Okay. So you're in the group, and I say, okay. Um, Elizabeth, you can keep your eyes closed or your eyes open during this, but I'm going to ask you to visualize something. Mm-hmm. I find myself, I can visualize things better if I close my eyes. So mm-hmm. what am I visualizing? I mean, picture it in your brain. Okay? okay. And so if I ask you to picture something in your brain, you can do it eyes open or eyes closed, whatever is best for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I do it easier eyes closed, but whatever's easier for you is fine with me. Okay. So, so I'm going to close my eyes and uh-huh. I, I'll do this with the group. Uh huh. And I want you to picture, um, your substance of choice. Mm hmm. And I just picture it as an object. Just picture that it exists, that it's in front of you. Okay. Right? I'm going to close my eyes and do this while she's talking. Okay. okay. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> so picture right. your, your glass of red wine or your martini or whatever it is that, mm-hmm. you know, that is your substance of choice. Hopefully you're not in the midst of an addiction right now. <laughs> no, and, I'm not. And, <laughs> okay. Forget on that and one. So, <laughs> and so you're picturing something. Yes? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, a brownie sundae. I don't know what you're picturing, but you're picturing a thing. And so of that thing, that's different from the person next to you. Mm-hmm. And that's okay because we're all in this together because we're here to get over a thing. Mm-hmm. And so what your thing is versus the next person isn't as relevant as why we're all doing this. Fair okay. enough? Yes. So, and I'll ask the group, fair enough, right? As, yes. Are we good with this? And, and mm-hmm. I wait for everyone to answer. And that way I know we're all going the same direction. Okay. Right? So I'm not trying to take you anywhere you don't want to go. Uh-huh. So, okay. So then um, we're going to get for you an image of a thing you don't want at all. Okay, got it. Um, here, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you one that I think is gross. Okay, and you tell me. And now we got to get the whole group in agreement. You mm-hmm. tell me if we can all agree on this or if we need a different thing. Okay. Um, so I want you to picture a baby, uh-huh. a little baby, mm-hmm. a baby that doesn't talk yet, right? Mm-hmm. A little baby, and I want you to picture somebody just punching it in the face. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Is that a thing you you like? No, 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 no. Okay, so if we could get the whole group to agree that that's a thing we don't like, then that'll be our symbol for the thing we don't want. Okay. Occasionally, uh-huh. we will have someone who goes, I'm sort of okay with that. Oh my gosh. The joke you know right? Maybe. Maybe, or maybe they really are okay with it. Okay. Which I know, I don't know for sure. Right, <laughs> yes, yeah. So sometimes I'll use like pushing an old woman down the stairs. Okay. Um, that's a thing we can generally all agree upon. Yes. Punching a baby, pushing an old lady down the stairs. Yeah, um, something really aversive. Some, yeah. yeah. Um, and if not, you can just go something gross, uh-huh. like like some dead object, some dead animal uh-huh. or something like that. So yeah. you can go as far as it needs to go, and you're only limited by your imagination, which is the okay. beauty of hypnosis, right? Yes. And so, <laughs> so, so we all agree on our thing, whatever that is, punching a baby, let's say, uh-huh. right? Which we all are pretty averse to, I should hope. Yes. And so we're punch, or pushing an old woman down the stairs or whatever yes. it is, licking a dead animal, whatever it is. Yes. Something pretty bad. Okay. So we've all agreed on that in the group and take a few minutes to make sure Uh we're all in agreement that that's a terrible thing. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Once we're agreed, I'm going to use coding Uh then to shift um, the item that you are interested in, your Mm -hmm. your, um, drug of choice, for instance, into the not box and the not box contains the thing that we don't want. 
Okay, gotcha. So when you're doing it with an individual, it goes a little bit faster because yeah. you're only working on one person's opinion at a time. Yes. When you're doing the group, it takes an extra minute or two. Okay. But only a few. Uh-huh. I've learned. So it's actually almost as effective in a group as individual in my experience. Interesting. So, and I had my doubts when I first tried it, but it worked out quite nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, how effective is it? Because I get this question all the time, like, People who email me or call me and say, well, can you do hypnosis for addiction? Can you help me stop drinking or can you help me stop using drugs or something like that? Mm -hmm. So how how effective do you find it? I have found it to be very effective. Um, I can't give you an exact number because, of mm -hmm. course, um, addiction is very hard to quantify. It is. In very terms hard of to relapse research. and that yes. kind of thing, longitudinal studies I don't conduct. Yes, so, um, it is. So it's difficult to give you a number per se, but I have found that the response is quite good and mm -hmm. that people say that they enjoy it very much and that they found that their uh, cravings have decreased quite a bit within the weeks following having done this exercise. Okay. So that's the best information I can give is that it's gone uh -huh. quite well. Um, I have used this also for quitting cigarette smoking, mm -hmm. and I have found it much less effective. Oh, really? And I think that the reason, and in my, in my opinion, the reason uh -huh. is that when people are ready to quit drinking or drugging, they're really ready to quit. Yeah. They have gotten to a bottom that is enough for yes. them. Yeah. They have gotten to a point where it's affecting their life in such a way that they are done. Uh -huh. And they will contact a person for help. And if that's me, then we do the thing and then they're done. Mm -hmm. So I find well, it very effective. But for smoking, I yeah. find it very ineffective because I think that people don't really want to quit smoking cigarettes. I don't think that they... Well, I think there is a readiness mm -hmm. with cigarettes too. Uh -huh. I'm actually putting together um, an online course oh. that is about like, are you ready? Neat. Because, you know, why waste your money right. if you're really not ready? Right. Like, there's no point in coming in. Absolutely. If you're truly not committed mm -hmm. to stop smoking. So how do you decide? How do you know if you're ready? Because people don't. They ask me that, too. How do I know if I'm ready? So, you know, we're going to go through all these little different things. Fantastic. Yeah. But I think with, do they have with cigarettes, to... a lot of people are pushed into it. Yes, you know, absolutely. Someone else wants them to quit. And yes. so they're willing to... They're willing... Yeah. But they're not ready, and there's a difference between that. So it'll be interesting to see yeah. what you come up with in terms of that. But uh, absolutely, I think the readiness has to be there. And yes. with substances, I find that people are ready. And well, do they even have before to, they get into rehab. Do they have to detox before coming to you? Um, no, but... Um, I would recommend that people go through detox regardless because uh -huh. it is so hard on the body and yeah. um, especially with certain substances that will kill you if uh -huh. you detox at home. So I definitely recommend people go to detox regardless. Okay. Um, and then if they schedule treatment for directly thereafter, that would be wonderful. Like the day you get out, come uh -huh. straight over. Yeah. And Let's say they detox. Like take me through the path. They detox. Mm -hmm. They schedule session with you the week that they're getting out. Mm -hmm. Do you also recommend that they still do like 12-step or outpatient or PHP or? I think any kind of support that someone can add to their journey uh -huh. is only going to help. So okay. whether that's smart recovery or 12-step or mm -hmm. um, or some kind of meeting or some kind of accountability partner or a sponsor mm -hmm. or whatever that means, additional therapy, um, I think that can only be a benefit. So mm -hmm. I would never discourage anyone from doing yeah. that that feels that that would work for them. I think the question I get often is like people who don't want to do 12-step. Uh -huh. Like we know 12-step is very effective. We, we're pretty sure about that. She's like nodding her head. And she's not quite so sure. I, I, well... <laughs> 
there there are different studies as to how effective it can be, but again, it's very difficult to get appropriate statistics with substance abuse. Okay. So all right. So, but they often don't want to do 12 step. They don't want to identify with that, or perhaps they see it as really religious and they're not comfortable with that, that type of thing. So I definitely think we need some alternatives. uh Um, now there's smart therapy, which is starting to surge. Right. Um, it's, it's getting more popular. So people should be having an easier time of finding meetings on their website and that Uh sort of thing. It's easy to become certified Mm -hmm. in smart recovery. So if it's something that people are interested in and they want to become a provider of that, Mm -hmm. that's easy to do. Um, and it costs very little. So, Uh um, so that's something I would recommend that people start getting out that out there more. But I think we need additional options. I think we need other stuff that exists for people with addictions. Yes. Um, so, so my thing about 12 step is I don't like identifying someone as an addict forever. Yes. Okay. So this becomes a problem too, because particularly I find in the hypnosis world, it's, you are trying to shift that identity so that they're not identifying as an addict right. for the rest of their lives. Right. Because sometimes that identity becomes problematic. Yes. Like I'm an addict. So then this, this, and this. Right. And 12 step also tends to make people want to live out of a certain kind of fear. There's mm-hmm. a fear of relapse. There's a, there's a statement that relapse is part of recovery, mm-hmm. but is it necessarily, it's not for, it is not for everyone, Yeah. but it will be a part of recovery for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think being in 12 step makes that more likely to happen or anything, but I, I don't like um, telling someone to identify themselves in a particular way that sets them up for possible failure. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, so it's a lot of ifs and maybes in that statement, but yeah, I, but yeah. being that we are lovers of language with hypnosis, yes. and language is so important to hypnosis, um, I think labeling people is potentially very dangerous. So okay. my my thing against twelve step personally is that you know we put that addict label on people and we say you can never drink again, and I don't know that that's true. Mm-hmm. I know that that was problematic for you or drug or whatever your thing was or or brownie Sunday. You know mm-hmm. uh, you can you can never <laughs> this again, uh-huh. and I don't know that that's necessarily true. I know that that became a problem for you and that you mm-hmm. needed help in fixing that. But does that mean you can never again? I don't know. And I mm-hmm. think for some people, opening the door a crack opens at a floodgate. And I think for some people, maybe they could overcome that later. Maybe mm-hmm. it wouldn't be a problem later that it was a matter of circumstance. So I don't know for certain that I can speak to every person yes. in terms of addiction in the way that AA seems to. So, okay. So, gotcha. I, so I find 12 step to be a little problematic in a few of those ways. And I think originally I asked that question because sometimes people will say, well, can hypnosis be a primary treatment, primary quote unquote treatment versus rehab or 12 step or talk therapy, something like that? I would say, yeah, I would say that hypnosis could be a primary treatment. And I think that it could be a primary treatment for many disorders. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't. It s- is a primary treat for many disorders. Well, yeah, I, and <laughs> it I really is. I don't see why it wouldn't and, be. You know, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see why not. Okay, interesting. Yeah. I will say that you know, if you are a person who's using alcohol excessively, mm-hmm. or if you're a person who's using um, opiates excessively, that that detox is uh, super effective and um, yeah. and makes it much more comfortable. And um, there are a couple of things that can kill you if you try to detox on your own, such as alcohol. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so, right. so do definitely detox you know mm-hmm. at, at least that piece of it mm-hmm. um, just to get the medical side of it 
yes. stabilized and especially alcohol, you know, ruins your liver and all these sorts of yeah. things. And, and there are ways to help you feel better as you're going through that, that your mm-hmm. local detox place knows about and can help you through. So, True. so even though I would say yes, hypnosis for the change in, uh, the way that you're thinking about things, mm-hmm. I, I definitely would say that a detox center is best for your body as well, because I think you have to look at a person holistically. We are mind and body. We can't be one or the other. We don't live our heads in jars. Right. So, you know, yes. Very true. So I yeah. do, I do want to say that please intermix those things as you're, yeah. as you're seeking treatment. Do you have people that come to you that just want to decrease? I have. Yeah. And I think that that's okay. Mm-hmm. I think that that, um, that my goals are not necessarily my client's goals mm-hmm. and that my goals for them have really very little place in the therapy office. Mm-hmm. And so I might suggest to them, uh, through motivational interviewing that it seems like these goals and you, these behaviors don't go together well. Mm-hmm. You know, you're looking for a particular kind of job, say in law enforcement, and mm-hmm. you're using certain kinds of drugs. You know, mm-hmm. really those things don't line up. Well. Right. And so, <laughs> yeah, so the drug test you. So So pointing those things out, you know, maybe we'll make the client see that that maybe no use is better at this point in their lives while they're Mm -hmm. seeking this sort of job or maybe the sort of job isn't for them or whatever is true. And that being said, if truly their goal is just to decrease, then why not decrease? Mm -hmm. I do think it's harder to use hypnosis in in those cases Mm -hmm. because so you think it's easier if they just want to stop. I do. Okay. I do because, because you're pairing with aversion. Right. I'm right. pairing with aversion and I'm moving things into the not box, which is not never no way. Not sometimes it's okay to kind of a little bit punch a baby. Uh-huh. It's okay to punch a baby in the foot, but not the face. Yeah. <laughs> Right? right. It's not okay. It's not a metaphor that works. <laughs> yes. And so yes. it's much more challenging to work with the client who's looking to decrease. Mm-hmm. So I would have that client maybe pick some times when they would use mm-hmm. and make those on the calendar. So okay. um, special event a birthday party, a Uh a New Year's Eve, something, you know, certain events, those Uh are your, those are your open dates, but only the dates on the calendar. Mm, And so if they've, so it's more structure for them. I think it would be easier to do that way Hmm. because that way I'm not setting them up for failure. (laughs) And and I've worked with several clients over the years who Mm -hmm. came in to decrease and then Mm -hmm. eventually often they end up in rehab or an outpatient program and completely stopping but they're not at that point when they first come right. see me they don't that's right. not their goal right so we work on what their goal is like right. I, i'm the same in my practice it's mm-hmm. like what their goal is i will work to help them reach that mm-hmm. but eventually it, if it's uh, truly addiction mm-hmm. and not let's say you know there's a category misuse. there of misuse mm-hmm. right then um then they end up there anyway right and that can definitely happen and we can't yeah. predict right we can't <laughs> you know, who's we can. going who's going to be um who's got the the thing in them that says addiction and who can use a little bit and and right. be okay with that you know if we could measure that we would be well ahead of the yes, game we would right. but we science would and technology women. we are not there yet <laughs> right you know, keep reading scientific yes. american yeah <laughs> exactly exactly when you're working with addiction you had said before we started recording that when there's an overlap with trauma often Mm -hmm. and what what's the percentage um at least 70 percent of persons with substance abuse also have a history of trauma okay wow it's really high yeah and then the other component that you had mentioned was pain blocking right okay so can you talk some about that sure so um 
So a lot of persons who are prescribed painkillers mm-hmm. will start taking them as prescribed. Let's say you have a surgery or something like that, and you're on long-term painkillers while you mm-hmm. heal and do um, rehab, uh, physical therapy, that kind of thing. And then you're supposed to titrate down from them, but people find that they're still feeling significant pain. And so at that time, they'll usually start abusing painkillers or getting mm-hmm. them from a friend or someone else that they know. And... Often that behavior can, well, not often, but at times, well, you know, yeah. no, we're having often. an opioid we're epidemic. About, yeah, I, I would put that into often. I think it's okay and, if I say often. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and the addiction um, period on that, correct me if I'm wrong, is it's very short, like 10 days or something where your your brain adjusts to wanting a drug. Yeah, it's within two weeks, something two like weeks, that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I was hesitant to say often because I don't want to lump a lot of people in. Mm-hmm. But with the crisis that we're having, I, I guess, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Often. Uh-huh. Uh, what happens with people is be, uh, the body becomes so addicted to the way that painkillers are made these days um, and the way that they time release or don't time release mm-hmm. and um, and the advent of pain that keeps coming on for these persons, they need more and more and more. And so what they'll do is they'll find other ways to get something that kills the pain. And we're finding a lot of people are getting street drugs. Mm-hmm. So they're either getting um, Oxycontin or, um, or other kinds of painkillers from people that they know or don't know Mm -hmm. Um, and of course there's always a risk in getting things from people you don't know because what are you really getting Um, some people are getting fentanyl mixed with heroin that's Mm -hmm. common in South Florida I don't know how common it is other places but fentanyl is such a strong Mm painkiller that we're having a lot of overdoses in South Florida Mm -hmm. so um, so it's it's really a problem Um, and fentanyl usually comes um, as prescribed in a patch but it can mm-hmm. come in pill form as well. Right. And what's happening is people might be using a patch and also taking heroin or Oxycontin or okay. some other kind of painkillers and doubling and tripling up. Yes. And then you get tolerance yes. to where you're not feeling uh, the use of these things and you're right. still feeling the pain. And so then they'll keep you know using more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I am such a lightweight that if I, um, I had kidney stone surgery a couple of years ago and they gave me... Um, Percocet. Mm-hmm. And they said, to, you know, take take one of these and, you know, every four to six hours, whatever. And I took a half of one because I know I'm a lightweight and I was unconscious for the next eight <laughs> hours. So I can't take I, it at all. Yeah. I, I, they prescribed that after uh, both of my cesareans. I can't take it at all. Uh-huh. Like it just makes me nauseous, awful. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, I yeah. can't do them. Yeah. yeah. And I had clients coming into the treatment center who were taking 40, 60 pills, 100 pills a day. Jeez. Not only do day. I think you're poor liver, but uh-huh. I think, um, how? How are you awake, alive? Yeah, right. You know, I don't yeah. understand. But tolerance, the tolerance yeah. just kicks you in the butt. And yes. so, so these clients come in and they're not, you know, they're not what you would call street addicts. They're not, yeah. all, they're not what we in the 1980s would have assumed addicts look like. Right. No, they're professionals. They're, you know, grandmas and grandpas. Yep. They're, yeah. They're yep. walking around. They look just like us. Yeah. But they're addicted to heroin. They're addicted to yes. painkillers. They're, they need opiates in order to, they feel, survive and thrive and get around in their world. Yeah. And so the pain still hasn't gone away. So even mm-hmm. though you go to detox, even though you use hypnosis, even though, you know, you, you are doing the right things, mm-hmm. you still have pain. Yes. So what do we say to these people? 
Well, don't take that stuff anymore. Well, that's all well and good, but how fair is that? Right. How do you manage the chronic pain at that point? Right. How do you manage so, it? Uh, so I started using uh, pain blocking techniques, and I teach these to clients. Mm -hmm. And it takes me about three hours to teach. Mm -hmm. I don't know how other people are doing it, but I came up with a way that takes me about three hours. Mm -hmm. And um, and I learned it in a purely selfish way. I was getting um, yet another tattoo. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I knew that I was going to be getting it, and I knew that it was going to take about 10 hours, not all at Oof, once. Yeah. I wanted to be present and alert and aware mm -hmm. during that process, but I also didn't want to sit through hours and hours of pain. Right. So, uh, so I started looking up pain blocking techniques. And mm -hmm. a lot of what I found that was available was guided meditations to take you somewhere else. Yes. And so you focus on this instead of that. Yeah. And I didn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. Tattoo parlors have some of the most interesting conversations you'll ever hear in your entire <laughs> life. True. And and they're funny and they're crass and uh -huh. it's it's just a riot. And I wanted to be present for that. Mm -hmm. And so I said, this isn't what I want. I don't want this guided meditation stuff. This yeah. is not what I'm looking for. And so, um, so I said, okay, well, what else is there? And so we know that pain is something that goes through our brain. Mm -hmm. It's not in our heads. It's mm -hmm. in our bodies, but it goes through our brain. And we know where this is in the brain because some kids are born without it. Yes. And those kids that are born without this little piece in the back here in the hindbrain, uh -huh. they can touch the fire and not move their hand because yes. it doesn't compute to them right. that their hand is blistering. Yes. And those kids often don't live to adulthood. Right. Yeah. Because when you run around They're outside very with a broken leg yes. and continue to run around on it, you things happen to you that are not good. <laughs> yeah. They're very rare. Like they discover them... I mean, really by accident, yep. right? Like, yep. okay, that this child keeps hurting themselves and they don't seem to have pain and then they begin to study them. Right. Yeah. And very, very many of these children die in childhood. They do. Um, yeah. Just from accidents. Yes. Because they don't know to seek help because there's right. no, there's nothing in their brain that says, hey, stop doing that. Yeah. Pain is a signal. Right. And so if we get the pain as a signal and pain is neutral... Pain isn't there to harm us. Right. And I think a lot of what people are told, especially people with chronic illness like fibromyalgia and that kind mm -hmm. of thing who have chronic pain all over, mm -hmm. is that, well, that signal is that something bad is happening. Oh, yeah. But I don't think anything bad is happening at all. Mm -hmm. I think your signal is going off. Yes. Okay. So if we get that pain is, is just a signal uh -huh. and the message is neutral, uh -huh. the message, I think, says, do you want to do something about this? Mm -hmm. And sometimes the answer is yes. Like right? if you're touching the fire, you want to stop touching the fire. Yes. Yeah. But if you're getting a tattoo, if you're getting... Um, uh, allergy testing, uh -huh. if you're getting shots, something mm -hmm. like that that you have to sit through, mm -hmm. no, you don't want to do anything about that. In fact, you want to be still. Mm, yes. Yeah. And you, well, I would even, I would even throw a uh, back pain in there because uh -huh. a lot of back pain is not fixable. Let's right. put it that way. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean that you need to do anything about it. Right. You need to go ahead and continue to live your life and right. take care of yourself properly and all of that stuff. Right. Yeah. So sometimes there's something to do about it. Uh -huh. And sometimes there's nothing to do about it. So right. the message is just, do you want to do something about this? Uh -huh. So if we get that the message is neutral, that there's nothing actually wrong that needs to be fixed, then we can also be neutral and not freak out about that. Yes. Yeah, it's taking the suffering off of it is, is right. often how I put that. Like, okay, you can be in pain, you can get the pain signal, but mm -hmm. it's a whole, it's a choice whether to suffer around it or not and feel like oh, this is awful and I need to do something about it. And, you know, am I going to live this way forever? And like future, all kinds of catastrophizing, all of that. 
Yeah, and I think it takes the pressure off of the client to have to wonder and worry about that kind of stuff to say that there's nothing to worry about. Yes. It's just the signal going off. Right. It's sort of like when the smoke detector goes off, but you're actually just cooking. Uh-huh. You know, that happens to yeah. everyone, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. And there should be a thing where you just yell at it. I'm fine. We're cooking. <laughs> totally. And it shuts yeah. off. Right? Yes. There should be. When you wave the towel in front of it, it should just shut off. <laughs> it should. Yeah. But it doesn't have a smell sensor. So right. so it's like that. You know, mm-hmm. so when you wave the towel at it, it should be fine. Uh-huh. And then you get that you're fine and just keep going on. And so, uh, so I was uh, about two hours into my, I think, my second session on this particular tattoo. And uh, there's people who hang out at the tattoo mm-hmm. parlor with their friends and stuff. Right. And this guy was hanging out with his friend over there and he comes over and he says well you're just sitting there talking and laughing and I said well yeah and he goes doesn't that hurt and I said I'm sure it does uh-huh. And he looked at me like I had two heads, right? And uh-huh. I said, and I said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a hypnotherapist. I'm using pain blocking to not have to feel this. Mm-hmm. And he says, that's something you could do. And I said, <laughs> did they want to hire you on the spot? Was, like, can you come work <laughs> in a shop? Right. And he says, he says, but well, that's a thing you can do. And I'm like, it's the thing I'm doing right now. And he says, wow, you should have told my friend that before we came in here. I said, well, <laughs> now you know. you know. Yes, we're so, both saying right at the moment if you want to prep for a tattoo, yeah. for, uh, for the job. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's good stuff, I think. And so, yeah. so we had clients coming in to rehab uh-huh. and they would come in and do treatment and they would say, but I still have pain. And we would say, well, you know, there's certain medicines because you're here in this inpatient program that you're not allowed to take. Yeah. Because they're still addictive class three medications. And yes. we can't give you by prescription these medications, even though we believe you that your doctor prescribed them. Yes. We see that your doctor prescribed them. Right. It's not that we don't believe that you need them. It's just that we literally cannot yeah. give you these medications while you're also in rehab. Yeah. Because Legally. there are people here that are here for those medications. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> We yeah. can't give you addictive substances while you're here to detox from addictive, addictive substances. substances yes. And so they would say, but what about my pain? Which mm-hmm. isn't a legitimate question. It is. And they would get kind of blown off. And so I would teach those clients pain blocking. Mm. And so for that, I never did it in a group because I think that one is quite individual. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would I would have people identify their messenger because pain is a message. Yes. And then I would have them talk about what happens when the message comes and how they dismiss the messenger mm-hmm. and what, what that looks like and what is the message the message is, do you want to do something about this? Mm-hmm. Right? The message is always the same for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's just a question for right. them to answer at that given moment. And sometimes the answer is yes, and sometimes it's no. So what if their answer is yes, I, I want to do something about it, but they have no drugs? Right. So then they they uh, take the message in mm-hmm. and they use the techniques and they layer techniques and techniques. So there's there's uh, five techniques that I teach, one, one being the messenger mm-hmm. and then the other four being techniques that they can layer as they need mm-hmm. in order to stop the pain from going through what I call the relay station in the brain, ah. the one that we know some children don't have. Yes. And so so it's not that it's in your head. It's not that I don't believe that you're in pain. Right. I, be- I believe you. Yes. Um, I just know that there's a way to turn that station off mm-hmm. periodically. Mm-hmm. And so we don't want to turn it off all the time forever. Right. Because pain is a good message. Yes. And yeah. so it tells us things like you're standing on a sharp rock. Yes. Yeah. Or <laughs> go to bed. Yeah. Right. And so, so we want the message to still come. We just want you to be able to ignore it when you don't need it. And mm-hmm. so, so that's really what I'm looking to teach people. And okay. so, so you have people coming in and they say, oh, but I still have this pain and I, now mm-hmm. I'm off these drugs, but I really want these drugs back because with the drugs, I didn't have the pain. Mm-hmm. And now I'm off the drugs and I have the pain and 
how am I supposed to go home and not do the drugs? Yeah. Right. And you say, well, here you, you need a technique. Yes, they do. <laughs> right. And so I think that's something we really need to be giving people in all treatment centers mm-hmm. that are working with substance abuse. And down here in South Florida, we've sure got a lot of them. Yes, we do. And so yeah. I think we need a hypnotherapist in every single one of those places to be at mm-hmm. least teaching pain blocking to clients so that mm-hmm. they cannot have to resume opiates. Yeah. Because it's killing people. Yes, it is. It's killing people left to right. And, and that's a thing that, um, you know, I'm, I'm passionate about. I think we don't need that. Yeah. You know? And not right. that not that no one should ever take an opiate. Right. But if there's an easier way, a better way, a cheaper way, a, a mm-hmm. less addictive way, shouldn't we be trying that first? Yes. So absolutely. So let's do that. Uh-huh. And more of that and less of the thing that's killing people. Yeah. <laughs> yes, agreed. Well, we are at the end of our time and okay. It's been a really interesting conversation. Thank you so much for being here. But before we end, please tell people how to find you. Uh, sure. So um, my practice is Clear Mind Group. So I am at clearmindgroup.com. I write a weekly blog on there. Mm-hmm. Um, everything on there is absolutely all of my content. So you get a taste for who I am. And if you don't like it, that's cool. And if mm-hmm. you do like it, um, my contact information is on there. And where's your practice located? I'm in Western Florida. Western Florida. So that's, um, that's a South Florida area if you're here for vacation. Yes. <laughs> And uh, I also do um, intensive weekends. So, oh, you do? Um, yeah. Awesome. So people can fly in for um, a two-day or a three-day set of sessions. You'll be my only client during that time. Uh-huh. Um, there's more information on my website also at clearmindgroup.com. It tells you the price and the timing and everything. And um, it's really great if you're coming down to overcome a specific thing. So in this case, we've been talking a lot about substance abuse. Yes. So if you wanted to do pain blocking and substance abuse stuff uh-huh. and really get over something and be done with it. Right. All in Trauma one resolution. Time, we didn't talk a whole lot about that, but right. I know that's one of your specialties. It so. is. You could get like one really solid issue done in a weekend and go home finished. Yes. So Wonderful. Uh, so yeah, check out my website for that. Great. And, then, um, and I love the domain name, Clear Mind Group. I love that. Yeah. Eventually I want to be a group and a teaching a teaching center. Ah. Eventually, but that's my long-term plan, not my short-term plan. So. Okay. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you so much. truly enjoying today's episode. Remember that you can get free hypnosis downloads over at my website, drlizhypnosis.com, D-R-L-I-Z hypnosis.com. I work all over the world doing hypnosis. So if you're interested in working with me, please schedule a free consultation over at my website and we'll see what your goals are and if I can be of service to you in helping you reach them. Finally, if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast or tell a friend. That way, more and more people learn about the power of hypnosis. All right, everyone. Have a wonderful week. Peace.